All God's people say it. Grab your Bible, turn with me quickly to Matthew chapter number 8. Matthew chapter number 8, it is good to be in the Lord's house today. Listen, we are studying the book of Matthew. If you are here for the, thank you doc, if you're here for the very first time, we are tickled to death that you're here. And we pray that we will be an encouragement to you some way, shape, form, or how. We have been going through the book of Matthew periodically. Uh, it's been, I, I, I went back, I went back through to, to check uh, the, different, the different times we preached on this, and they have been sporadic. I mean, we have things, I mean, it just, it seemed like uh, different series came in between and, and things like that. And, and so we're going to try to be a little more uh, consistent with it. Uh, but we've been going through the book of Matthew, and this is the book of the king. It represents Jesus as king. And I, I tell you what, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't think Jalen knew uh, uh, what my title was today or what we was going to be specifically dealing with, but the Holy Spirit led him in every song that, that he sang because today we're talking about the king and his power. The king and his power. We've gone through. And let me do this. Let me just read and let y'all sit down. That way I can get started and y'all won't be wondering when I'm going to let you sit down. <clears throat> I know. I've been there. I remember growing up as a kid thinking, please let us sit down. Amen. Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 1. When you get there, say amen. amen. When he was come down from the mountain, this is Jesus. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him saying, Lord, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. You can do it. You can, if you will, you can do it. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, he, saying, I, ain't that great. He said, I will, I will be thou clean. And, and when, when. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege and, the, and just the worship hour this morning. It has been so sweet. And God, I know you are a powerful king. And Lord, I pray right now that you'll help me to deliver your word the way you have given it to me. I pray that I will be an encouragement today. I pray that your word will flow through me. It'll be nothing of my opinion, nothing of my preference, nothing of what I think, only what you say. I pray that you'll help me to deliver it in such a way that everybody can understand it. Everybody can receive from it. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And God will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. By, by a, small, a small way of uh, review, uh, we have talked about the king. Matthew is about the king. Jesus presented through the book of Matthew as the king. He is the king of the Jews. But let me say this. He's the king of the world. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. But we see in chapter number one and two, he's the, we see the king in his kingdom. We studied his genealogy and his arrival. His arrival, the birth of the king. In chapter three, we discovered the king and his herald. 
his herald. In other words, the one that would go before the king and proclaim the king is coming. The king is coming or the king is here. And we know that was John Baptist. He came to prepare the way. He was the forerunner, the voice crying in the wilderness. Say amen right there. But then we see the king in his testing. The king in his testing. This is chapter number four. We know this as temptation in the wilderness. You see, every king had to be tested. Every king had to be authenticated. Did he have what it took to be the king? And I'm glad to know he passed with flying colors. Amen. Then we find the king in his court. And this is in chapter number four. Chapter number four, the second half of chapter number four. He chose his disciples. He said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Amen. The king in his court. And then last time we discussed the king and his constitution. This is chapters five through seven. Chapters five through seven. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Say that with me. It's the He is declaring what it will be when he is the king on this earth. And by the way, by the way, if you're not familiar with this, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to return as the king of kings. He came poor the first time. He came in a manger the first time. He came lowly and humble the first time. But the next time he comes, he's king of kings and lord of lords. And he will rule this earth with a rod of iron from his throne in Jerusalem. Are y'all with me? In the Sermon on the Mount is the Constitution, what it's going to be like, what, what his reign and realm will be like. But then today, we're going to look at chapters 8 and 9. Chapters 8 and 9, and we're going to discover the king and his power. The king and his power. Say that with me. The king and his power. Listen, if we're going to, if we're going to worship something and someone, if we're going to bow down to, if we're going to trust in and put our faith and, and, and our total allegiance to and our total dependence on, we need to know that he's got some power. And you need, you need to understand this. You don't worship a weak, anemic king. You, you don't worship someone who's struggling to get by. You worship a king with all power and all might. Say amen. In chapters 8 and 9, we see miracle after miracle. And, and I, I went through them. I went through them. And let me just, let me just give you an overview of them. And then we'll, we'll jump into our... Our outline. Now, this is not in your notes. This is just something. Uh, if you want to read eight and nine several times, you're going to find he heals a leper in, in verse number two, chapter eight. The centurion's servant in chapter eight, verse five and six. And, and, and anyway, if you want to, if this is just something to chew on for y'all that like to go a little deeper, the leper represents the, the Jew. He told them to go present your, your sacrifice, do what Moses said. Because there was a law de- determining if someone was healed, what they were supposed to do, the sacrifice they were supposed to take to the temple. And he told this leper to do that. But the centurion is a Gentile. So we see he's healing, he's healing the Jew and he's healing the Gentile. Are y'all with me? He does not discriminate. Somebody say amen. And one could represent the kingdom age and the other represents the church age. The church age is primarily made up of Gentile. Or anyway, say amen. Y'all want to look in that digging that's really good. He heals Peter's, he heals Peter's mother-in-law in verses 14 through 15, and that is why Peter denied Christ. Some of y'all are a little slow on that. I'm sorry, that was just what I learned from our guide in Israel. Amen? 
we are standing at the place where they believed it's Peter's house or the house that he lived in and everybody's standing there listening to every word he says. And he said, this is where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law and that's why he denied Christ. And everybody's like, really? And I'm just rolling on the ground. I'm dying and nobody's getting it, man. It's just, anyway, thank God for a Palestinian Christian with a sense of humor. Amen. He healed Peter's mother-in-law, and, uh, and, and then we see he healed many possessed with devils, 8, verse 16. He healed all the sick that was brought to him in 8, 16. And then he calmed the storm on Galilee in chapter 8, verse 24. The demon-possessed duo in chapter 8, verse 28. The man with palsy or paralysis in chapters 9, verse 2. In which he says, this is, this is something that's going to stand out. He forgives his sin first. He says, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Before he heals him of his physical issue, he deals with his spiritual issue. And we'll come back to that. Amen. He raises the dead daughter in chapter 9, verse 18. And the woman with the issue of blood in chapter 9, verse 20. And the blind men in chapters 9, verse 27 through 30. The dumb man who could not speak, possessed with the devil, 9, 32 through 33. And then, and then it says this. And then it says this. Toward the end of chapter 9, it says every sickness and every disease. Just in case you're wondering, he got them all. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's chapters 9, verse 35. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what we want to take from this. I mean, all these things that we see, all these things that we did, Jesus is trying to show them what it's going to be like during the millennial reign of Christ on this earth. Christ is giving them a preview of his rule and his reign on this earth and the power that he's going to have and the power that he's going to share. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, you've got all of these things he did, all of these uh, displays of power. Now, what can we take from that? What can we take from that? There, I, I looked at them over and over and over again, and I see different categories, different categories. Or, or if you want to put it this way, different battles. Different, say that with me. Different, different battles that we have in our Christian walk. Different battles that we have on earth that Jesus showed he had power over. Are y'all with me? Now, let's do this. Let's take the first one. Let's take the first one. And there's many examples, but we'll see the category. Now, y'all understand what I'm saying? There's, there's many examples of each one, but we're going to categorize them so that we can see where they fit and how they will help and encourage us. And all God's people say it. Amen. Number one, number one, we see he had power over sickness, power over sickness. And that represents our what? Say it with me. Our our physical battles. He had power over sickness, and this represents our physical battles. What does that mean? Everybody in this building is in a body. If you're not in a body, raise your hand. If you're in a body, raise your hand. If you don't know, raise your hand, because you did, some of y'all didn't. Okay. Now, how many of y'all have figured out that this body, this body don't get no better? I, I, 
I, I, I used to run around all the time, just run and, 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 and play and play baseball and football and all that. And man, I was thinking about, I was thinking about the times that, man, it'd be fun to just every, it, whenever we could just go out and play and, and roughhouse and, and run around. And I've, I've been trying to diet a little bit and do some exercise. And I, I was out by myself because I didn't want nobody to see me. And, and, and I said, I'm going I'm to run a little bit because Becca and, and Luke and them, they've been, they've been running and, and they've been challenging me. So I'm trying to be Build up to that. And, and, and congratulations, by the way, on the first place yesterday. Amen. The man is a beast. Amen. And so I said, I'm going to run a little bit. Man, about 20 yards as far as I got. My knees hurt. My ankles hurt. My feet was burning. And I'm thinking, mm, I'm not as good as I once was. Are y'all figuring that out? Our bodies, we have, a, we have physical problems. We have physical battles. Some of us worse than others. And what I mean by that, some of us struggle with diabetes. Some of us struggle with heart disease. Some of us are dealing with that dreaded C word, cancer. And you can name it over and over and over. If you're a human being, sooner or later, you're going to deal with this physical battle. And do you know what Jesus needs you to understand? That he has power over your battle. No matter what your battle is, no matter what your physical issue is, he has power. He can say the word and it be fixed. Say amen. So write two things down. And I'm going to get you. Some of y'all think, yeah, but. I know. I know you're going to say that because that's what I said in my office. When I was looking at this. Okay, he has, let's, let's two things, two things. That when you pray and you seek God for your physical battle, for your physical issue, that physical struggle that you have, one or two things is going to happen. If you're a child of God, you're right with God, you're in a, in a right relationship with him. And, and I'm not saying perfect, and I'm not saying uh, one of great faith. I'm just talking about you're right with him, okay? You're saved, you're born again. Somebody say amen. amen. One or two things going to happen. When you ask God to heal you, he's either going to A, heal you, heal you, or B, help you. Now, let me help you with that. Because I know what some of you are thinking. Well, I prayed that God would take my cancer away, and I had to go through chemo, and he didn't take it. Okay, I get that. I understand that. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. There's people that's prayed that God would take their diabetes away, and that didn't happen. There's people that prayed that God would take their heart disease away, or their hypertension, or their high blood pressure or whatever it may be. And God did not, God chose not to do that. Now, here's the one thing we got we to understand. I want to help you with something today because this is really, really important. It is not always for your best interest that God heal you. And let me say this again. It is not always for God's glory that he heal you. In other words, God will get more glory out of helping you through it than keeping you from it. And let me show you what I mean. If you look in your verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're, we're looking at a man by the name of Paul. Because you say, why is this important to know? Because there's so many false teachers out there. And the charismatic movement is telling you, if you just have enough faith, God will heal all. It, and I've heard this. I've heard this. It is God's will that nobody be sick. Come on, people. That's, that's foolishness. That's foolishness. 
Listen, if it was God's will that nobody be sick, guess what? There wouldn't be anybody sick. Are y'all with me? Now, here's the thing. Watch this. How many of y'all would agree that the man, the apostle Paul was pretty, pretty tight with the Lord. Would y'all agree if there was somebody who could pray and get his prayers answered, it would be the apostle Paul, right? Watch this. Paul is praying to God and he's got an issue. And the, and the issue is really not specified. It is kind of generalized. And I believe that was because God's saying you can put anything right here. But he's got a problem. And this problem is painful. Are y'all with me? Look what he says. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the In other words, this is a physical problem. It's a thorn in my flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Buffet means to wrap with the fist. In other words, it, it, this is the way Paul is saying. He is saying it feels like I'm getting the tar beat out of me. Are y'all with me? Like I'm getting beat up. I'm getting just beat on. Watch what he says. He said, now lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing, I besought the Lord. In other words, three different occasions he came to God and said, God, you've got to do something. Please take this away from me. Please take this painful issue in my flesh, this physical problem that I have. Please take it from me. He's begging God. Three, not just one time, multiple times. Now watch this. And he said unto me, say it with me, my, everybody say it, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, let me give you the breakdown of that. What that means is. God had blessed Paul so immensely and allowed Paul to see things that nobody, by the way, Paul got to go to the third heaven. He got to see glory before he ever actually died and went there. Are y'all with me? And so he got to see things and, and because of the revelations, because of what God had given him and God had spoken to him, it would have very easily happened that he would be lifted up in pride. And because of his, his da- the danger of him being prideful, God put something in his life that was very painful to keep him so that he could keep working for God, so that he could keep bringing God glory. In other words, it would bring more glory to God for Paul to keep this painful issue in his life. But God said, don't worry about it because my grace is powerful enough. My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. I might not take it out of your life, but I'll walk with it through you. And no matter what, they'll see me in your life. God may not keep you out of the valley, the shadow of death, but he promised to walk with you through it. 
Preacher, what are you saying? It may bring him more glory not to heal your cancer, but to give you the power to walk through it in grace, to give you the power to walk through it and have peace of mind and peace of soul so that somebody in this world will look into your life and wonder how in the world are they doing that? I'll tell you how. It's by the grace of God. It's by the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. So when you pray, ask for healing. Ask for what you want. Ask God to heal your situation. Ask God to heal. And if it brings more glory to him by doing that, that's exactly what he'll do. But if it brings more glory to give you grace, then say, God, give me the grace to walk through it and bring you glory in the midst of it. Now that's, some of y'all are thinking, well, I'd rather have the first one. I know. So would Paul. And by the way, so would Jesus. Jesus is in the garden. This is such an intense situation in his life. His sweat becomes as great drops of blood. And he said, Father, I know you can do all things. If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. How many times did he pray that? But you know what he said? Nevertheless. Now watch. And God sent angels to minister to him. He may, not, he may not heal your disease, but he'll send angels. Either way, either way, you're going to make it. And all God's people say it. How many of y'all are glad that our king has power over our physical battles? Our physical battles. Number two, he not only has power over our physical battles, but then we see, we find the disciples in a storm. The Bible says in verse 23, verse 23, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him and behold, there arose a a great tempest, not, not, not a sprinkle, not a, not a shower. That word great there means exceedingly great. This was a bad deal. This was a huge storm. A great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. I like that. I don't like it when I'm in the storm, but I like reading it. Because what bothers us don't bother him. That's what's good about it. In other words, what scares us to death, he don't lose no sleep over it. But when you're in it, sometimes, come on, let's be honest, let's, in, in, our, in our humanity, in our frailty, in our humanity, and sometimes the weakness of our faith, sometimes when we're in the worst shape, it seems like God's asleep on us. Come on, shake your head. Let's be honest. Waves are coming in, crashing in. They're covering, they're covering the boat, but he's asleep. Now look what happens. The Bible says this. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, save us, save us, we. And he saith unto them, why are ye, come on everybody, why are ye. Now now we know the story, I'm going to save some time. I'm going to save some time, so y'all know the story. He walks to the bow of the boat, he says, peace be still. He rebukes the wind, he rebukes the wind, the waves calm, perfect peace, right? Everybody with me? Now, here's some things I want to take from this. 
In Mark, you'll find, you'll find the, the, the same story. And, and you'll see that something else happens. When they came to Jesus, when they came to Jesus and said, wake up, wake up, we're going to die, we're going down, we're going to perish. This is what they said. This is what they said. Carest thou? In other words, man, don't you care? Now this represents the storm here. Watch this now. What was the, what? What did the what did the first? What what was the first point? You know, he had power over sickness, which represents our our physical battles. Now he has power over storms, which represents our emotional battle. Now, if you've never gone through it and you never experienced it, sometimes your emotional battle is worse than your physical battle. Sometimes you can be perfectly healthy body-wise body and not have the strength to get out of bed. Because emotionally we're drained. Emotionally we're struggling. Emotionally we just can't get it together. Emotionally we have fear and anxiety and we're frustrated with life and we're wondering all these problems that are building up, all these storms in our life. It could be in our relationships. It could be in our finances. It could be at work. Whatever it is, they're building up and building up and building up to the point we're scared to death. And we're afraid. Boy, we're in an emotional battle. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Now watch what happens. Watch what happens. When we're in an emotional battle and fear begins to take root into our heart and into our life, one of the very first things that happens is we begin to wonder, does God even care? And the devil is just, he is chomping at the bit. Because his goal is to get you to doubt your king. Are y'all with me? Now, two things in the emotional column I want you to write down. First, he has power over fear. He has power over fear. Power over fear. Say that with me. Power over. Say it with me. Power over. He says, listen, why are you so fearful? Walks out. And steps right into the midst of what was causing their fear and says, peace, be still. Preacher, what is the point? Whatever it is, it's causing you to be afraid. Whatever it is, it's bringing tears to your eyes. Whatever it is, it's keeping you up at night. Whatever it is, it's causing you to struggle and battle in your emotions. Let me tell you and stand forth and say, he can say, peace, be still. And by the way, let me say this. He can even do it without the storm stopping. He doesn't have to stop the storm to calm your soul. He can bring calmness in the midst of the storm. Are y'all with me? God does not give the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm afraid. Go to him. Preacher, I don't know what's going to happen. Go to him. Take your burdens to him. Cast thy care upon the Lord, for he careth for you. Cast thy burden upon him, and he shall sustain thee. He can do it. We got to pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to be kind of blunt right now. I'm going to be kind of blunt right now. And I need everybody to be real honest. All right, can y'all be real honest for just a minute? 30 seconds? 
I talked with an individual this week that's going through some struggles. Had tears in their eyes. And it just hit me. I went down to him and I said, hey, I know we've gone to this doctor and we've gone to that doctor and we've, taught, we've taken this medicine and that medicine. I said, but have you prayed about it? I mean, I mean, really went to God in sincere, fervent prayer, even to the point of fasting. No. I want to ask you this. That thing that's keeping you up. That storm in your life. What did, what did the disciples do? They gave us a great example. What did the disciples do when they were afraid? What did they do? They went to Jesus. What a novel idea. But do you know what we'll do? We'll go to the one that don't have, it can't do nothing about it. We're good at telling everybody about our problems. Everybody but Jesus. Sometimes I wonder, do we really want help or do we want sympathy? If you're going to somebody that can't fix your problem, you just want to whine. Why don't you go to him? Just go to him. He may instantly snap his fingers. Boom. Or he may say, well, if you do this, this, and this... There's been times I've been frustrated to the max and I just didn't know what I was going to do. I'm telling you, I was so upset and so frustrated and thinking the whole world's going to end. I just said, God, help me. God, help me. He gave me just a couple little things I could do and boom, solved the problem. I said, God, why didn't you already do this? He said, because you didn't ask me. So I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, he has power over that thing that's keeping you up. That thing that's causing you to be afraid because what happens next, the very next step from being afraid is once you begin to fear, you begin to doubt. But I'm glad God can do something about that too. Before you begin to doubt him, go to him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So that battle, that battle, we see he has power over sickness, which is our physical battle. Say that with me. He has power over sickness, which is our then he has power over storms, which represents our, because in that storm we see fear and we see doubt. That has to deal with our emotions, right? right? Now watch this, number three, number three. He not only has power over sickness, he has power over storms, but he has power over Satan. He has power over Satan. Many times through that, there's a category of devils. One specific one, one specific one is the, is the demonic duo. In Gadara, that the Bible says was so fierce that no man could pass by. But guess what? Jesus fixed them. Jesus has power over Satan. This represents our spiritual battle. Now I don't know if you you are you are you probably know, but you don't really think about it a lot. But you have a true enemy. The Bible says he's an adversary. Look it up in your, in your Webster's Dictionary. It means an enemy. 
It means somebody who hates you, somebody who wants to destroy you. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life. He is a roaring lion who roameth about seeking whom he may. Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to have thee that he may sift you as wheat. Satan desires to destroy all of us. He desires to destroy our families. He desires to destroy our relationships. He desires to destroy our marriages. Uh, Listen, parents, he desires to destroy your children. This is not a game. He is not a fairy tale. He's not the figment of somebody's imagination. He's a real devil. He's a real adversary. He's a real enemy. And we're in a real fight. Are you trying to scare us? No, I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to inform you. This is real. Look at the news today. If you don't think this is a spiritual battle. I read an article this morning. I read an article this morning of a Christian florist that did not want to create an arrangement for a same-sex couple. They had sold flowers. Flowers was no deal. But she said, listen, when it comes to my creativity and my artist's work and my heart, I can't do something against my conscience. And the government is trying to force them to do this. When it was only said, oh, you bigots, you're just a bigot. You're just against real love and and same-sex marriage. It's not going to affect you. Why are you worried about something that's going to affect you? It already is. It already is. It's not enough that I can disagree with it. It's, it's, listen, it's not enough. It's not enough to accept it. No, you've got to endorse it now. And if you don't agree with it and endorse it, then you're a bigot and we're going to take everything you've got. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you've you got to drink some coffee and wake up. We're in a spiritual battle in this world. And it seems like the devil is winning in America. But I got good news. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's a roaring lion, but I know the lion tamer and he has power over Satan and all his demons. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Two things. Write this down. Two things. Write it down quickly, quickly. He has power over temptation. He has power over temptation. He revealed it in his testing. When he was tempted in the wilderness three times, he won. Three times, he won. Say that with me. Three times, he And the devil had to flee. Each time, he used his word to win the battle. But watch this. Because he had power over temptation, you have power over temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. What does that mean? He's such a good God. He won't allow any of his children to face something that they don't have the ability to conquer. They won't let him face something that they can't say no to. But even with that, he's going to provide a way to escape it. So you don't even have to deal with it. Say amen. He has power. He has power over temptation. Write this down. This is good too. 
He has power over lies. The Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Say it with me. We're not ignorant of Satan's. You know what his number one device is? A lie. A lie. Now, I know what y'all are thinking. I know what y'all are thinking. Well, he'll lie to you to get you to sin. He'll also lie to you to get you to worry. He'll also lie to get you to doubt. He'll also, watch this now. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. He'll lie to you to get you to hate somebody. He'll lie to you to get you to argue with your spouse. If she really loved you, she wouldn't treat you that way. She'd she'd have done this and she'd have done that. How in the world? What in the world? And and your spouse ain't even got a clue. Today, somebody on your shoulder whispering in your ear, trying. And the more he talks, the madder you're getting. I'm preaching. I'm trying. And they ain't even got a clue. And you've been listening to the liar the whole time and your spouse walks in and they get blasted and they're like, what? Amen. But how do you defeat a lie? All five of you. How do you feed a lie? Did Jesus not say, I am the way, the, and the life? What's the point? If you're walking with Jesus, when that devil steps on your shoulder and says, hey, and he lies, the Holy Spirit's going to say, uh-uh. When he says, your wife don't love you, do you see how she responded to you? Holy Spirit said, hey, man, she's been dealing with that sick youngin' all day and changing all them poopy diapers. What's wrong with you, man? I'd, be, I'd have thrown it at you if it was me. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, my husband loved me. He'd spend more time with me. Spend more time with you? He's been out killing himself, working overtime just so you can have food on your plate and clothes on your back. What? Some of y'all have been listening to the wrong voice. But I'm glad we've got a king who has power over lives. What am I supposed to do about this then? Well, when you hear something you think, take it to him and say, what do you think, Lord? What do you think? He'll give you the truth. Let me tell you why some of us don't do that. You can't handle the truth. I've been wanting years to do that. Truth be known. Some of you can't. It's not that you can't handle it. You just don't want to hear it. Anyway. Y'all enjoying this and let's just go to four. All right, the, the sickness, the power over sickness. He healed every sickness and every disease. The power over sickness represents our, what kind of battles? Physical battles. The power over the storm represents our emotional battle. 
Then the power over Satan represents our our spiritual battle. Can y'all see how this is falling together? Isn't this amazing? Look at number four. Number four, and this one stands out, and people miss it so much. Look at chapter nine. Chapter nine, and we're almost done. Got two minutes. Chapter nine. In verse one. When you get there, say amen quickly. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their fate, said unto the sick of the palsy. Now keep in mind, in chapter 8, he's healing all kinds of sick people. Right? He's healing all kinds of sick people. But this just stands out. He does something different. Now watch, when you see a, when you see a pattern of something... And then an abrupt change, that means something. Okay? What, he, what he's fixing to say to this guy is, is completely different than he said to any of the rest of them. He never said this to none of them. So Jesus is trying to make a point right here. And I'll show you what point that is. Right? Watch what he says. Son, be of good cheer. You're going to walk today. Is that what he says? Son, be of good cheer. I can heal your palsy. Ain't what he said. Watch what he says. Thy thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemed. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. In other words, he said, I could have said either one. But I said what I said. Watch this. Now he gives the reason. But that ye, I love it. I love, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath, he hath, come on, he hath power on earth to forgive what? Sins. And then, oh, by the way, arise, take up thy bed and go into thine house. Now, what do we see here? We see he he not only has power over sickness, power over storms, power over Satan, but he has power over sin. And this may be the most important. He said, he said, I said what I said. And the reason I said what I said, so you could know that I'm not just a healer, I'm the savior. I can heal your sickness. I can heal your palsy. I can heal your paralysis. But there's a bigger need inside of you. There's a bigger sickness inside of you. There's a bigger problem inside of you that I have power over too. And that is sin. Say, why is this worse than palsy? Because you could live a healthy physical life. You could live a healthy emotional life your whole entire life and die and still go to hell. So he said there's a bigger problem. And the biggest problem, ladies and gentlemen, he has power over sin. Say that with me. He has power over sin. Write these two things down quickly, quickly. We're running out of time. Write this down. He has power over sin's control. Quickly write that down and let me explain. He has power over sin's control. Watch this. It says in Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Watch this now. 
For he that is dead is what? He that is dead is freed, freed, set free from sin. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. What's the word dominion? Control. Watch this. Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being made free, free from sin. Ye became the servants of righteousness. Now let me explain quickly. Look at me. Look at me, everybody. Look at me. You say, preacher, does that mean when I get saved, I'm not ever going to sin? No. How many of y'all figured that out by now? That's not what that means. What it means is this. When you're lost, when you're in an unsaved condition, you're unredeemed. You're not saved. You're not born again. You are in bondage. You're in bondage to sin. In other words, sin's going to tell you what to do. Sin's going to tell you how to live. Sin's going to tell you how to behave. It controls you. You know why them little kids lie without being taught? They can't help it. They're controlled by sin. And David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. I was broke when I got here. I don't lie because I'm a bad person. I'm lying because sin is controlling me. I'm conniving because sin is controlling me. But when a person gets saved, God breaks that control. God sets you free. God delivers you. You're not delivered from the presence of sin, but you're delivered from the power of sin. No longer can it make you do anything. No longer can it control you. It can influence you, but it cannot control you. Somebody say amen. And you can live in freedom as long as you submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be, are y'all with me? He's got power over sin's control. Now, what does that mean? When you get stupid and ignorant, that means you did it on your own. Are y'all with me? You didn't have to. Because it can't make you anymore. Listen. There's a major difference between a lost sinner and a saved sinner. Did you had a word of that? A lost sinner and a saved sinner. A lost sinner don't care that they sin. And can't control it. But a saved sinner can. And by the way, when he does sin, he cares. And he don't want to. Are y'all with me? Big difference. Now here's the thing. He has power over sin's control. Say that with me. He has power over sin's But then also he has power over sin's consequences. So how do you know that? Oh, yes. Great, great. Listen, if you read this and you read too fast, you'll miss this. In the midst of all these miracles, in the midst of all of these displays of power, Displays of power over physical battles and emotional battles and, and, and spiritual battles. We see a story rise up. We see somebody comes in and says, hey, my daughter is dead. Say it with me. She is. How many of y'all know that the wages of sin is? The sting of death is sin. What does that mean? Now look at me. Everybody look at me. See y'all, y'all, y'all folding stuff up. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Do you know the final consequence to sin? If you want to use the word battle, you can put the word battle there. But the final consequence to sin is death. The wages of sin is 
Death came because of sin. In the day that ye shall eat of this fruit, ye shall surely die. And guess what? They all did. Y'all with me? Final consequence is death. But you know what Jesus showed when he got there? He raised her from the dead. Which showed that he not only has power over the control of sin, he has power over the consequences of sin. You know what the Bible also says? The The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Preacher, what's the point? The point is this. This king you sing about, this king of glory, this soon coming king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, I don't care what battle you're facing. He has power. Every category of struggles and fights and battles we face in our humanity Jesus displayed in chapters 8 and chapters 9 that he has the power. You can go to him. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that should encourage you. Preacher, you don't know what I'm facing. Go to him. I may not know what you're facing, but I know who can help you through it. And all God's people say it. Let's all stand. Everybody stand. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for the worship singing. It's been so beautiful this morning and so, so, so proper, so appropriate for the message today.